The opinions expressed on The Rob Report are the opinions of the host participating callers and or listener emails, text, and or letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Forum Communications. Gentlemen, Rob Port 970, WDAY AM 93.1 FM. You know what's not good, Ben, is when you're late for work and you're a radio host. Right, and when it's your own show. It's your own show. <laughs> I was a little late for my own show today. I'm, si- I'm sitting here typing away, banging away on a post for the blog. I uh, was so into my writing, uh, completely forgot that it was airtime. Blew through my uh, reminder and everything. I-, I have to put a reminder for myself so I can snap myself. When I'm writing... I um I get tunnel vision, man. Uh, get in bad. the zone. Yeah, and I was um. Anyway, we're not too late. We're doing good. Uh, no. we got a good show coming up. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about, and it's it's been interesting given how much of a liability, a political liability, Obamacare has been in past years for Democrats. That all of a sudden, in uh, as we reach the um the apex of North Dakota Senate race. Or or the, the, the nadir, depending on how cynical you are, Ben. The nadir? The low point. Oh, uh, okay. Um as as we as we reach that, because early voting starts next month, um, the Democrats are turning to Obamacare as sort of a, a, a life preserver for their incumbent Senator Heidi Heitkamp, who at least at least in the public polling we have available to us, uh has is trailing in this race. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the internal polling says. We haven't had uh, we haven't had any new publicly available available polling in in a little more than a month. So I, I don't know what the state of the race is today. But to this date, uh, you know, Senator Heitkamp has been trailing in the polls by what we have available to us. So they're turning to Obamacare, and they're 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 all in on this issue of. Republicans wanting to to repeal Obamacare and Republicans wanting to overturn Obamacare in the courts. Both of those issues. They're hitting Kevin Kramer for his votes uh, in favor of repealing Obamacare in the past in Congress in the United States House. And they're hitting Republicans on Attorney General joining North Dakota as a plaintiff in the lawsuit to challenge, you know, the, the legality of Obamacare, which we've talked about that later latter argument a lot. Uh, that kind of seems to me like Democrats saying the ends justify the means. Like it doesn't matter whether or not it's legal or not. They like the policy outcome. Therefore, they just want it to be law. I think that's for, from a rule of law standpoint, wherever you're at on the issue of health insurance and health, health care policy, from a rule of law perspective, that's troubling. Right. I, I, if, if the courts find it's illegal, then, you know, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and create policy that is legal. That's a separation of powers issue. It's like the Democrats are saying, you know, the, the court shouldn't even weigh in on this. Uh, you know, it should just be legal because we want it to be legal and we like the outcomes. That's absurd. As to the question, and but but their more fundamental question is, if we overturn Obamacare, it's going to hurt North Dakotans because there's North Dakotans who have gained insurance since Obamacare was was implemented because of things like, you know, we can't we can't decline people anymore because of, of pre-existing conditions and things like that. They're saying if if Republicans are successful in overturning the law, it's going to hurt thousands of North Dakotans. 
Now, today, Republicans are coming back. They're pushing back. Attorney General Wayne Stengem, Insurance Commissioner John Gottfried, uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, U.S. House candidate Kelly Armstrong, Lieutenant Governor Brent Sanford held a press conference where, you know, they pushed back at that argument. And I think the rebuttal is pretty good. Now, we're going to talk with Wayne Stengel. We're going to talk with John Godfrey coming up here at 1 o'clock. Also, Congressman Kevin Kramer is going to be on at one thirty for his weekly open phone segment. But we are um, – I, I think the rebuttal is good. And, and one of the key pieces, right, what, what Democrats are saying is oh, people are going to lose – people who have gained coverage because of Obamacare are going to lose that coverage. And what Republicans are saying is, well, the rate of uninsured in North Dakota has remained – static since obamacare was implemented prior to obamacare we had about eight to ten percent of north dakotans who were uninsured currently we have about eight to ten percent of north dakotans who are uninsured now they're different groups of people right a lot of people have been able to uh gain coverage because of the expansion of medicaid but a lot of people have lost coverage a lot of people you know particularly in the individual insurance market right these are people who are not getting insurance small business owners people like ranchers people like farmers people who are are entrepreneurs maybe they started their own business people who are business owners who are in that self-insurance market they've been driven out of that market because the affordable care act has not really made insurance all that affordable which is the other part of the, of, of, of the Republican rebuttal, which is that insurance premiums in North Dakota have grown 44% since Obamacare was implemented. So what exactly did we accomplish? Democrats told us that Obamacare was going to fix the uninsured problem, but we have the same number of people who are uninsured as before, or at least the same rate, 8 to 10% of the state. They said it was supposed to make health insurance more affordable, but since Obamacare was implemented, premiums have gone up 44%. Ben, are you making 44% more money than you were back in uh, 2009? Nope. Or whenever, when was Obamacare passed? Was it 2000? Well, keep in mind, I was uh, 13 in 2009, so. Yeah. yeah. Earl Pomeroy lost, it must have been 2009, because Earl Pomeroy lost re-election because of Obamacare in 2010. So it was 2009. I know I'm not making 44% more money since 2009. I, I would argue that most North Dakotans are not making 44% more money since 2009, and yet in premiums have gone up 44%. That's the problem, right? I mean, that, that was the impetus to begin with, right? I mean, that's the reason why Obamacare was named the Affordable Care Act. You because think what it would was get it? a bit more affordable with that name. Right. Yeah. What was at the top of most people's concerns when they were talking about health insurance and health care reform? How expensive the affordability. it was. It was yeah. expensive, and it hasn't fixed the problem. And now when Republicans are out there saying, listen, we got to scrap this thing. It's illegal. we got to scrap this thing and replace it with something better. Democrats are saying, oh, they want to push old people off a cliff. They want to hurt people. We can't touch this because we want to hurt people, which, which is the Democratic tactic for everything. They get some government program in place, and then anybody who wants to touch that program is accused of being racist or, or, or indifferent to the well-being of Americans or some plutocrat uh, who's out to hurt the impoverished. It's, it's part and parcel to what they're doing. And what's also interesting about this, Ben, is, is the timing for when they're doing it, right? They are cranking up. Attorney General Wayne Stengem joined the state of North Dakota. I think it was last year. Joined the state of North Dakota this lawsuit, right? Do you remember hearing about it before the Senate campaign? Nope. I don't, and I follow this stuff all. closely. 
Republicans have been, and, and granted, Democrats have been opposed to uh, Republicans, you know, repealing and replacing Obamacare for years now. But the Democrats also united in opposition to any effort of Republicans. I mean, under Obama, uh, they, they blocked every single effort of Republicans to bring forward replacement bills, didn't want to engage Republicans in reforming the law at all. A law that, by the way, originally was passed on a strictly partisan basis. Democrats don't want any Republican fingerprints on this law at all. They don't want to compromise with Republicans at all. And now Senator Heitkamp, who postures herself in an, in, in an election year as being this moderate, will work with anyone, wants to reach across the aisle, is now, as she tries to save her skin in the Senate race, right, as we come down to the home stretch of the Senate race, clinging to a partisan policy, right, a hugely controversial partisan policy that on its face hasn't worked, hasn't accomplished the main goals that its architects, that its proponents said that it would accomplish. She is clinging to it as a life preserver to try to bail her out, reshuffling the cards, right? Reshuffling the rhetoric around it to make it about Republicans who are coming to hurt you. By the way, something like 85, 88% of North Dakotans get their insurance. We're, we're not even talking about most North Dakotans, right? Most North Dakotans get their insurance. 55% of North Dakotans get their insurance through an employer. Another, uh, I think it's something like 28%, something like that. A little more than a quarter of North Dakotans get their insurance through uh, through one government program or another, like uh, Medicare, Medicaid, right? The bulk right. of that probably being Medicare, right? Because once you get to a certain age, your health insurance goes to Medicare. That's not really an optional thing. So what we're talking about are the people in the individual marketplace, which granted to me, I mean, I, I, I think I, I'm not saying we should be indifferent to those people. What I'm saying is, is why didn't the Democrats care about them before? I was in the individual insurance marketplace. I struggled to pay that when, when all of a sudden I was stuck. My, uh, I, I, I think, I think when we had to get a new plan, a new policy under Obamacare, the cost was like 85% higher than what we were paying before. Jeez. That's what people in the individual insurance marketplace were talking about. And that's why you've seen no change in the number of uninsured in North Dakota. Yeah, we expanded the Medicaid program. And yeah, that signed some more people up. But there's a heck of a lot of people out there, independent entrepreneurs, farmers, ranchers, people like that, who are in the individual insurance marketplace, who now can't afford the insurance of that marketplace, and they don't qualify for a program like Medicaid, and they're stuck. They don't have an employer they work for, or maybe they have to go try to find an employer to work for so they can get some sort of coverage, but then that makes it sort of hard to run your own business at the same time. What are they supposed to do? What about those people? Uh, Democrats seem indifferent to that. And, and let's let's not think for a moment that this is really about concern, right? All this 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 democratic noise machine that they're cranking up, right? Where they got their media surrogates and everybody out there, they're all over social media talking about this issue. Let's not pretend for a minute that this is driven by some sudden desire to help these people who are hurt by Obamacare or could be hurt uh, allegedly if Republicans get their way. It's not about any of that. It's about Heidi Heitkamp needs to win an election. And I'm sure there was some poll somewhere, and they found out that this issue polled well, and this is their gambit. This is what they think can win, and it's bunk. It's not about sound health care policy. It's not about sound health insurance policy. It's about winning an election, full stop. We're going to talk more about that 
to coming up at one o'clock. Wayne Stenjum, John Godfrey are on the program. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come right back. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Ben, I, I generally like politics. I like talking about it. I think it's fun. I, I think a lot of people get cynical about it because it could be frustrating, but I, I mean, to me, it's, it's almost beautiful in its ugliness because the alternative is, like other forms of government, which are not so great, we wouldn't be as free under, and uh, in, 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 in a lot of ways lead us to settling our political differences through violence. So give me the political brawl, right? Give me all the cynicism and all, all the mudslinging and everything else that goes along. Give me that before another. That's, that's kind of why I love it, right? Right. Because I mean, you have to consider the alternatives. But one thing I do hate about politics is baloney like what i was just talking about in the last segment where we're not even really talking about the problem anymore right i mean the problem is that health insurance is hugely expensive health care is hugely expensive right right and these two are intertwined right i mean you get the, the you get the insurance to help pay for the care so when the care gets more expensive the insurance gets more effect uh, expensive and Obamacare hasn't done anything to, 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 to bend that trajectory, right? I mean, it's, it's the same problem. We've got the same problem. Businesses have this problem, right, trying to have uh, insurance policies for their insurance coverage for their employees, right? Businesses are struggling with it. Mm-hmm. They're having to pass on some of those expenses to employees who are struggling with it, a bigger portion of their paycheck going to insurance. People in the individual market are struggling with it. Our insured rates, at least here in North Dakota, haven't changed all that much. What did we accomplish? What did we do? And yet, that should be the problem we should be debating about, right? And there, and I could understand there'd be like a Republican set of ideas and a Democratic set of ideas, and we're going to have a debate about what what is best out of those two options, or maybe some combination of those two options. That's what I would like to have. That's the policy discussion that I would like to have. But instead, what we're having is a, a partisan food fight. In the middle of, of, of an election year, right? I mean, really, the debate about this should have happened a long time ago. If Democrats were upset about North Dakota being joined to this lawsuit to challenge the constitutionality of Obamacare, they should have cranked up the noise machine back when it happened. But they didn't now because now I don't know that they cared about it until now. They care about it now because they see it as a useful political weapon in a close U.S. Senate race. And they can bash Republicans over the head with it. And, um, and and hopefully win because probably some pollster somewhere uh, ran a survey and the survey said that this might be an issue that gets traction with the public. That's how these things work, right? I mean, if you're out there, have you ever gotten one of those one of those those calls and it's a pollster, right? And they're they're oh, taking yeah. a poll, but then they'll ask you the question and then they'll ask you the question in like a bunch of different ways, yep. and they'll ask you think about uh, and I'm just gonna make some stuff up here, but like uh, oh uh, uh, a so and so candidate. Likes to punch babies. What would you think of him? Right? Stuff like that. Uh, it, they, they run you down this list of all these questions. Right. Well, what that's about, it's a lot of people think they're a push poll, and a lot of people think that that's the sort of polling that the campaigns release um, for, like, head-to-head matchup stuff, and that they're trying to manipulate your decision, and they're not really. What they're doing is testing messaging. What they're really saying is, if we said this about that candidate, how would you react? That's what they're saying. Like if if we told you that this candidate, uh, you know, used campaign money to pay for a yacht, 
what would you think? That that's essentially what they're trying to measure. It's basically right? more and of if, like a PR thing, like figuring out what sells yeah. the West. What's what what's what's going to get people's attention? Mm-hmm. What's going to make them react negatively to the opponent or or positively to their candidate? Because they do right. that part of it too. Um, and so they, this this is why the healthcare issue is coming up now. Democrats have done polling. Uh, the Heitkamp campaign has done polling, and they have decided that this is an issue that that might get people's attention. Now, I think it's baloney out here in the real world. I think it's a it's a bunch of baloney because. Basically, what they're saying is we we can't do it because Democrats have been saying, oh, we'll we'll we you know we got to tweak this, we got to fix this. I mean, Democrats have been saying this since they had the majority. I mean, I think it was just a couple weeks after Obamacare passed. The people are, I mean, in fact, I remember Earl Pomeroy campaigning in 2010, campaigning for his life, acknowledging that Obamacare had flaws, Obamacare had problems. Yet nothing's why'd been they, done. Why didn't they fix them then? And then Republican efforts under continually stand stymied under President Barack Obama when they attempted to reform Obamacare, stymied again and again, veto threats and everything else. Now, the one the one area where I think Republicans deserve criticism is that they failed now that they have the Senate and the House and the White House. They have failed to pass a, uh, you know, to, to do the repeal and replace thing that they said all along that they were going to do. They failed at that. Yeah, and they ran hard for on that, that. For that, they deserve criticism. But I would note it's not like the Democrats have been coming along. I mean, there's still the filibuster obstacle to get over. Senator Heitkamp was not a vote in favor of reforming health care. And she said that she had all sorts of problems with the Republican proposal. Well, fine. But where are the efforts for Democrats to, uh, to, to, to find some common ground with Republicans? Because meanwhile, the problem's not getting fixed. Meanwhile, insurance costs keep going up. Meanwhile, health care costs keep going up. If Democrats were serious about this, if this was about something more than winning an election, I feel like we would have seen more progress. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDYM, 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back to Rob Report, 970 WDYM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDYM.com. You can tweet at me, too, at Rob Port. Uh, let's see. We've been talking about this health care thing at Democrats. And by the way, we're going to be talking with Attorney General Wayne Sendrum, uh, Insurance Commissioner John Godfrey, coming up at 1 o'clock. Congressman Kevin Kramer on for his weekly open phone segment at 1.30. Uh, we got a caller on the line. Karen, what's up? Republicans don't have a replacement for Obamacare. They just want to cancel it and leave millions of people uninsured. Well, that's not true. They had, they, had a, they had a replacement that they tried to push through Congress uh, in the first year of the Trump administration. It's a real policy. It almost passed. Well, I, I didn't think so. What were the aspects of it? Well, I mean, it did a lot of different things. It's a, it's a big piece of complicated policy. It did uh, repeal that. Now, the Trump administration has done some things. They got rid of the individual mandate. They got rid of the tax on uninsured people uh, that was in the policy. They've done some other things. I think the Trump administration has also allowed, uh, for instance, uh, flexibility for like uh, like association uh, accounts. So, so like, for, for instance, if you uh, association health insurance policy. So if you belong to uh, like, like an industry group and that industry group wants to, you know, get its membership together and have them all buy into a health insurance policy uh, allows for that sort of thing. So so basically things along those lines, about, uh, it would it would have maintained pre-existing conditions, coverage for pre-existing conditions. What about uh, 
children who are under 26 who are yep it would have made it would have maintained that as well i don't i don't I particularly i i'll tell you as a, as a personal level I, I don't like mandating coverage for pre-existing conditions i don't like uh extending coverage to adults up to age 26 on their parents account but um you know those are things that were part of the republican plan republicans support those policies now you uh, would rather leave millions of people without insurance I would rather I would rather adults get their own health insurance policies and not be covered on their parents. And I would also uh, like I would also not you know create a situation where people can wait until they're sick to get health insurance. I, I don't think that's insurance anymore. And I think that contributes to what is the top level problem with health insurance in this country, which is that it's it's damn expensive. There are babies who are born with pre-existed conditions from the start. And there are other people who develop. When, 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 when was a child like that ever denied coverage? That's a pre-existing condition. They can be denied coverage. They could be before Obamacare. No, I don't think that's true. And I'm, I'm, not an, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not an expert. I don't think that's true, and I don't think that's the problem. Karen, I mean, if, if it was such a problem, why, why have the uninsured rates in North Dakota not changed? Still, it's still about 8 to 10% of North Dakotans who are uninsured. I know that in North Dakota, many people who weren't insured before became insured. I don't. I can't explain why you have an eight to ten percent number. It's from the insurance. It's from the uh, the insurance commissioner's office. And I can tell you why. It's because while some people did gain coverage through things like like Medicaid, uh, Obamacare has driven up the cost of insurance in the individual market so much that small business owners, ranchers, farmers, people like that are being driven out of the market. So That's we didn't really accomplish Republicans anything. Wouldn't fix flaws in Obamacare and repair. Why maybe? That. Why didn't? Why didn't Democrats get Republicans on board with Obamacare to begin with? Why didn't they compromise? Instead, they jammed it down our throats. And now, when Republicans are offering up alternatives, Democrats are fighting them. Now, when Republicans have offered up, uh, uh, Democrats are turning it into a partisan issue, and the only thing that they want to do is accuse Republicans of wanting to hurt people. Yeah, that's that's uh, true because. They just want to cancel Obamacare, and they don't care about who loses insurance because of it. I don't think that's true. I don't. I, I think. I think that's an awful thing to say, Karen. Do you really think I? You you call into this show a lot. You listen to me a lot. You really think I don't care about people? Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you, I was driven out of the individual insurance market because of what Obamacare did to prices. That's why I said Republicans should have fixed problems with Obamacare. They tried to. They tried to fix that problems. That truly a problem with Obamacare. They tried to. Democrats fought them. They tried to. Couldn't get it through the Senate. And, and they had a Republican majority. They, they had a few key Republicans they couldn't get on board either. And I guess that's on the Republicans. But why, why aren't Democrats more willing to engage in this? It's, and I'll tell you, it's about partisan politics. It's about protecting Barack Obama's legacy. A lot of poor people were put on a sliding fee scale so they could have health insurance and they didn't have it. Right. And a lot of other people lost who had insurance, health insurance, lost it, Karen. Obamacare wasn't perfect and it needed to be fixed seven or eight years ago. What is it fixed, ago? though? What is it fixed? Oh, it, it needed to be fixed. I agree it needed to be fixed. Why didn't Democrats fix it while they had the majorities? Why didn't they pass a better law to begin with? Very long, right after yeah, Obamacare right after was you passed, passed this crap Republicans sandwich. Had the majority. Yeah, well, because Obamacare was terrible public policy. 
Obamacare was terrible public policy, which is why Democrats lost control of the Congress. Look, it helped millions of people. And it hurt millions of other people. But like many bills, it needed to be changed a little after it was passed. Well, I'm and not going to talk in circles. Because Republicans right. wouldn't do it. They just wanted gonna... to completely cancel it. No, that's not true. They wanted to repeal it, replace it with something else. Oh, yeah. Repeal it, and someday they'll replace it, like maybe 20 or 30 years from now, if they get around to it then. Okay, that's well, that's a very partisan thing of you to say, Karen. But, yeah, they were going to repeal it, and they were going to replace it. They had nine years to go ahead. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Barack Obama was president, was going to veto anything they put in front of him. Look, Democrats wanted to replace some of the uh, the faults in it, but uh, Republicans wanted it to continue as is, not fixed, so they could just cancel it. Okay, okay. So, so, so you're telling me that that you're arguing basically that Republicans fought to keep in place a Democratic plan designed by Democrats, passed into law exclusively by Democrats, and that's Republicans' fault that it was a bad piece of policy. That's that's it a heck a of a contortion, piece of policy. No, it wasn't. You there, you have admitted that it needed to be fixed. I admitted that there were some flaws in it yes. that needed to be repaired. Deep, serious flaws. I mean, today, is health insurance, I mean, have we fixed the health insurance cost problem? It was called the Affordable Care Act, Karen. Have we fixed that problem? Affordable meant that people who were too poor to get insurance before could be on insurance after it. Oh, and to heck, to heck with everybody else, though, right? No, I'm saying that Democrats wanted to fix that flaw that appeared, but Republicans <sighs> wouldn't do it because they wanted Obamacare to not be fixed. Then why didn't, I mean, why didn't, maybe Democrats should have compromised with Republicans in the first place. You think? Look, you're complaining about when Obamacare was first passed, and I'm saying yes. there were nine years afterwards where during which time during which time a Republican majority during which time a Republican majority elected by the people of the United States of America put one reform proposal after another in front of Democrats that either filibustered it to death in the United States Senate or it got vetoed by President Barack Obama. The base of Obamacare is good. No, but it's as not. You said, it is a fundamentally a... flawed piece of policy. Fine. Then um, Republicans should have only have fixed the flaws instead of wanting to cancel the whole thing because there was it basically no. It's a fundamentally flawed. They would. I, I don't understand why Republicans have some obligation to 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 stick with this terrible piece of policy that Democrats created in the first place. They want to just cancel it. They don't, and just see. This is this is the problem, Karen. Thanks for the call. See, this is the problem: is is you get a Democrat on the line, and it's either an option of preserving what Democrats have done, or you hate poor people and you want to hurt people, and you're you're indifferent to the plight of the uninsured. That's 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 the partisan argument that you make. You either agree with their program, you either agree with their policies, or you hate poor people. And I just I reject that premise. That is a stupid premise. Obamacare was a stupid piece of public policy passed on partisan grounds that has never worked, that was so deeply unpopular that it cost Democrats control of the United States Congress, including Congressman uh, Earl Pomeroy, who was defeated in 2010 in no small part because of his vote for Obamacare. Byron Dorgan, Senator, former Senator Byron Dorgan, who was supposed to be on the ballot that year, opted to retire rather than run. 
That's how deeply unpopular that bill is. Now, Democrats are trying to, to rearrange the rhetoric and rearrange everything and pull the wool over everybody's eyes this election cycle. And I'll tell you, they're not going to get away with it. It's baloney. It's bogus. I mean, just ask yourself, is your health insurance situation improved? Are your health insurance costs more affordable today than they were in Obamacare policy? I'll tell you, it's not that way for me. I'm guessing it's not that way for you. Our uninsured problem hasn't changed that much. What did we accomplish? I mean, at this point, what are Democrats still clinging to? They're clinging to a few talking points about pre-existing conditions, about uh, adults being covered on their on their parents' plan up to age. I, I hate when we say, oh, kids being covered on their parents' plan until age 26. I'm sorry, when you're 25, 26 year old, years old, you are an adult. They're clinging to these few small talking points, which admittedly do poll pretty popular. I have my opinions on them, but politically they're popular. Fine. But overall, the Affordable Care Act has not accomplished what Democrats told us it would accomplish. It has been terrible. It has been an awful piece of public policy. And and Democrats are cynically trotting it out this election cycle because Heidi Heitkamp's in trouble. Heidi Heitkamp needs help. It's pretty remarkable. We're going to take a break. We'll come right back. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM. Uh, let's see, we got a call. We got a ton of emails in, and uh, we'll get to those. And we got a caller, too. Let's get to the caller first. Mario, you're on. What's up? Yeah, I was just wondering, what what do you have against uh, the uh, condition about uh, pre-existing conditions? Well, I, I don't. I don't I, like that. It, I don't like that it creates a situation that you can wait till you're. I mean, it's not insurance anymore, right? Insurance. You get insurance before a bad thing happens. Like, you don't get, right. you know, homeowners insurance before your house burns down or after your house burns down, right? You don't get auto insurance right. before you crash your car. Health insurance should be something that you do uh, when you're healthy. Like, you should get health insurance right away, as soon as you can. So let me ask you this. I'm 30 years old. I had developed a health condition when I was 26. Cost me $100,000 a year. Well, it cost my insurance company $100,000 a year in pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Before or without the condition of pre-existing conditions, what's stopping that insurance company from booting me off of their plan because I'm costing too much money? Yeah, I mean that's a good question, but I, I don't I don't know that that's exists. That, I don't I don't I don't I mean that's never that's never breathed a breath of air in my life without being insured, yeah. and without that in there, I could potentially lose my health insurance, and there's no way I could afford the medication that requires. Yeah. I would rather. Yeah, that's that's a real problem. I would rather address that problem though by having some sort of a safety net. I would rather have some sort of a safety net so that people who have like a like a chronic problem like yours. Uh, I would rather put that onto some government program than to put a mandate on in, on private insurance companies that people can wait until they're sick. Because the the problem with with the pre existing condition thing is it drives up costs for everybody else. I think a better way to deal with that, a way that's not going to have implications for the rest of us trying to pay health insurance, is to have some sort of a safety net program, maybe through the government, um, where to, to to provide for people like you. 
Um, and as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure North Dakota had something like that before. I think it was called Chand. We're going to have the insurance commissioner on, and maybe this is a better question for him. But I think that's a better way to handle it, Mario. And, and the problem is, is when we talk about this, I think there's one side of this political debate that wants to pretend like, like critics of Obamacare are just indifferent to people like you, that we just want to pe- treat you know, kick people like you to the curb. And that's not really it. We would just like to address the problem in a different way. Right. And I mean, that's people I worked with that were critics of Obamacare often even made the comment to me that I was driving up their health insurance. So I'm like, sorry, I didn't like do anything to get. Well, right. There. It's not yeah, your it's fault. Not, it's not your fault that it's, you're that, it's that, different that, when somebody's a smoker and then they yeah. get some sort of cancer because of that. Sorry, yeah. I don't feel that sorry for you. You chose to do something to give yourself yeah. chronic condition where I was just see, but I, 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 I think the problem is Obamacare uses a blunt instrument, which is this mandate for pre-existing condition. And, and this is really a moot point. There's bipartisan consensus that, that a mandate for pre-existing condition should exist. So I don't think that that's going away anytime soon. But insofar right. as it's still a relevant debate, uh, I think that's a blunt instrument. I think there's a better way to deal with it. Mario, i got to let you go because i got to keep moving here. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Tom, you're on. What's up? Yeah. Hello. Bernie Sanders plan. Medicare for all. Bernie Sanders plan. Okay. That's yeah. That, that costs, that costs like $36 trillion. Where, how are we going to pay for that? But we're going to pay for it. It's cheaper than what we're, it's cheaper no, than it's what not. the, the oh, system is right now by all a right. lot. All right. And thanks for the call, Tom. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't, I don't, I don't, down the cost of medication. Thanks. Hey. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the call. I don't. I don't have a lot of time for somebody who can't do math. Uh, Joe emails. The issue with healthcare isn't the insurance. The issue is the ridiculous price of everything related uh, to the hospital. Sanford charges six hundred dollars for a bag of saline, ten thousand dollars a night for a bed, regardless of the reason for staying. A friend of mine waited three hours in the ER, no treatment or tests, and literally given three Tylenol pills after five minutes of examinations and received a bill for nine hundred dollars. I don't know if those prices in the email are correct or not. Uh, I will tell you though uh, that. That that's a problem, and part of what's driving that problem is most of us aren't the customers for our insurance policy. We are so disconnected from the price of our health care that, that health care providers can kind of just charge whatever they want. Uh, let's see, another emailer says, Rob, Republicans deserve a lot of grief for the repeal and replace tobacco. I've never had been more miffed at my party uh, than that embarrassing show of poor leadership. I agree with that. Uh, let's see, Dwayne says, uh, Karen is why caller ID was invented. I'd be nice to Karen. Uh, another emailer says, I feel like Karen calls in every time you criticize Heidi. Yeah, a lot of people get upset every time I criticize Heidi. Uh, let's see. Another emailer, Josh, says, you mentioned you think we should do something about making people get insurance before they get sick. Tell me, how do you do that without a mandate? Well, you do that for, you know, just letting people suffer the consequences for not getting insurance. You should get insurance. That's the responsible thing to do. Uh, I got a ton more emails here. I'm not going to be able to get to them all. Uh, but we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Attorney General Wayne Stenjum, Insurance Commissioner John Godfrey. We're going to continue the discussion on this topic here on The Rob Report. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Rob Report 970 WDYM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDYM.com. I've been, uh, ben, I've been multitasking a little bit during the show. I've been blogging as well, which oh. uh, I caught the, uh, <laughs> the reason why. The, na- the official National Weather Service account. Uh, for out of Grand Forks, uh, sent out a tweet today where they called Mitt Romney a fraud. What? 
Yeah. Why? It's, uh, well, they've since deleted it. And they were responding to something uh, Romney tweeted about the whole Trump thing. But they... Um, They've since deleted it, and they um, they, they they tweeted back at me because I tweeted them. I was like, "Hey, uh, fellas, uh, what's uh, what's going on?" And they uh, their response was, "Our apologies, Rob. This was inadvertently sent from a non Grand Forks National Weather Service account, mistakenly linked to the office account." So, uh, okay. Anyway, I got a I got a post about it up at sayanythingblog dot com, but. Anyway, you know, on good days, this job is like a three ring circus, like just the best three ring circus in the yep. world. I love it. Okay, we're gonna let's let's get because the attorney general and the insurance commissioner are patiently waiting for me, like I while well, I natter on. Uh, Wayne Stenjum, John Gottfried, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Wayne, thanks for your time. Uh, Rob, I think you lost oh, Wayne. This is no, John. we did, we did, we <laughs> we we lost Wayne. That was uh, my that, bad. That was Wayne. Ben. Call back in, yeah. please. Yep, he's calling. Yeah, back Ben, in. Ben, Ben screwed up. That's all right. He'll get uh, he'll get his after the show. John, thank yes. you for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having us, Rob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for 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 sure. We'll get Wayne here in just a moment, but we're uh, for, for now. Uh, we we have uh, we're in the middle of a a Senate race, John, um, and so the, the the partisan politics are running hot and heavy, um, and Democrats are are basically they've 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 come up, and I I'm, I'm pretty sure they've poll tested this, and they decided that the messaging on this is is what's going to work for them, or they think it's going to work. And that is that Republican efforts to repeal and replace Obamacare in the past, uh, as well as the lawsuit challenging the legality of Obamacare, of which North Dakota is a plaintiff, uh, are bad news. And they're examples of Republicans wanting to roll back the clock and go back to the bad old days where people are uninsured and and they can't get coverage because of pre-existing conditions and everything else. Now, you came out today. And but by my reading, you participated in a press conference today with Congressman Kevin Kramer, Lieutenant Governor Brent Sanford, Attorney General Stenjum, who's now back on with us, yes, as I'm well as, as as well as House candidate Kelly Armstrong. And, John, I, I, I took your argument to have two prongs. A, we haven't really done much on the uninsured problem. It was about eight to 10 percent of North Dakotans who are uninsured prior to Obamacare. Uh, it's about eight to 10 percent who are uninsured now. Uh, but B, meanwhile, the cost of premiums continues to go up. I think you look at those, those two arguments and you got to ask, what did the Affordable Care Act, what did Obamacare accomplish here? And um, by my reading, it's it's nothing. Well, yeah, I, I would have to agree. I, I think, you know, uh, and I will I'll argue till I'm blue in the face that North Dakota never had the problems that Obamacare sought to fix. Um, we, we've always done a good job, I think, of covering our people. Uh, you know, there's always tweaks to be made to every system. Uh, but this wholesale change with the ACA has, has, has really, the only impact we've seen in North Dakota is it costs more to get insurance now. Um, we're driving folks out of the market, and, and we're at a real risk without any changes coming uh, to having our carriers exit the market, too. And then, and then we're in a whole different ballgame. And, you know, Rob, this is a point that I think everybody agrees on. Both sides of the aisle say that the ACA isn't working. I think you can, uh, and so... We need to find a fix. We need to find a solution. And I'll, I'll point out, too, that every Republican proposal, every serious Republican proposal, had coverage for pre-existing conditions included in it. Seema Verma came out yesterday and, and announced that she'll be working uh, with Congress should the, should the lawsuit uh, become successful to continue to work on the pre-existing uh, conditions uh, coverage. So everybody, that we, everybody that's talking about it understands and, and is going to keep the coverage for those pre-existing conditions, and really the only people that are talking about people losing coverage for those pre-existing conditions are the Democrats. 
Now, I, one, one number that I've been seeing Democrats throwing around is this idea that, that hundreds of thousands of people of North Dakota, I think the number is 316,000 people in North Dakota, could lose their health insurance due to a pre-existing condition. Now, I'm looking at that number. I think North Dakota's got about 700,000 people. I mean, they're talking about almost half of the state losing their health insurance coverage because of the pre-existing condition things. Now, I know you've been asked about that before. You've said that that number is irresponsible, John. Um, to, to tell us, I mean, what what is the accurate number? What, where where did that number come from? Well, that number came from, I think, uh, the the Americans for Progress or, or some think tank like that. And and what I'm saying is that there may be 316,000 North Dakotans who have a pre-existing condition. But to take it to the step to say that those 316,000 people are going to all of a sudden be thrown off their coverage if any changes are made to the ACA is ridiculous. Eighty-four uh, percent of us get our coverage through either our employer or through a government option such as Medicaid, Medicare, TRICARE, VA, something like that. And any changes made to the ACA will have little to no impact on, on, on that population. And so when you look at it again, you know, prior to the ACA, we had 8% uninsured. We had coverage for those, for those folks. Those folks were finding coverage. We had CHAN, which is a high-risk pool, which allowed uh, the folks who maybe have been denied by an insurance company to find coverage. We had coverage options in North Dakota. Uh, and now with the ACA, what we've seen in post-ACA, if, if we're successful on, on, uh, on the lawsuit or if we're successful on, re, on repeal and replace, uh, those, those provisions are going to maintain and they're going to continue. Uh, again, every ser- serious reform effort that we've seen has coverage for pre-existing conditions in there. So to, to come out and say that half the population of North Dakota is all of a sudden being kicked off their health insurance plan is, is irresponsible at best, and it's ridiculous at worst. Yeah, um, I, I think that is a little bit absurd uh, to say that almost half the population is going to lose their coverage. Uh, now, uh, Wayne, I, the other obviously part of this is talking about um, the the lawsuit challenging the legality of Obamacare. Now, you joined North Dakota to this as a plaintiff. It originates out of Texas. They're paying the legal fees. We've talked about that before. But Democrats are saying, listen, this has been adjudicated before. The courts have upheld this before. There's no need for this lawsuit. And when, and, and I, I want you to, the way I look at that argument is, is there almost seem to be saying that the ends justify the means. Like we got, they've got a policy outcome that they like, even though as, as John just said, I'm not sure it's, it's something that's, that's really fixed the problems they say it's fixed, but they've got a policy outcome they like. And they're saying, well, that, that justifies it. It doesn't matter. We shouldn't be challenging this in court, uh, because it's something that we like. Wayne, I think sometimes whether you like the outcome or not, it should be legal, right? The law should be legal? The the first thing that I have done when I assumed this office each time and when I was in the legislature was to take an oath to support and defend the Constitution. And every officer does that, but probably it applies with double strength to the Attorney General because it's my duty to support and in proper litigation defend the Constitution, and that's what we're doing here. And as to their arguments, let me tell you what's happened, if I can just be fresh everyone's memory when we brought the initial challenge against the Affordable Care Act it was because of this the the Obamacare the Affordable Care Act what it did was to say two things everybody first of all has to buy an insurance the health insurance policy and second it said if you don't then there is going to be a tax uh, penalty that's imposed for your failure to do so so we went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court agreed with us on the first issue saying that the that the US Congress has never sought to require a person uh, to buy something in commerce, in this case, insurance. And they upheld this by a vote of five to four uh, uh, based upon our Commerce Clause argument. But then the court went on by a, a five to four margin to say, however, 
Uh, Congress has broader authority under the taxing power that it has, and therefore, given that broader power with the penalty and the tax in this law, um, they upheld it, five to four vote. But in the meantime, something important happened, and that is that in the Tax Reform Act that was passed last year, Congress repealed that penalty. It's gone. And so the final leg that justified the uh, constitutionality of that law by a five to four vote is now gone. And so that's the point of the argument at this point. Wayne, I, I want to ask about the timing of this. When when did North Dakota? I mean, when was this lawsuit originally filed, and when did North Dakota become a plaintiff? When did when did we join on? We joined on initially, and let me see what the date. If I got it here, um, it was earlier this year. So it's. Uh, and I don't have that right in front of me, I guess. Okay, but it was earlier this year. That's close yeah. enough. Because I, I think it's interesting that, that there's all of a sudden a furor of it now. Because we can't ignore the context. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a red-hot U.S. Senate race going on. There's a competitive U.S. House race going on. All of a sudden in the election year, we're hearing a lot about this. We didn't hear a lot about this back April, when it happened. It I, I think I remember seeing a, I've got the date okay. in front of me. That's I, I, think, I think I remember seeing a press release. I remember seeing a press release or something about it, but if it was this big of a deal, I'm wondering, why are Democrats talking about it now? Well, and it's the only very thing I can interesting think of is, because I got a letter, of course, from the minority leaders of the House and Senate of North Dakota, and they made two important points that I think everybody agreed with. One point they made was that uh, the Affordable Care Act is deeply flawed and it needs an overhaul. And second of all, they agreed that only the Congress uh, has the responsibility and the authority to fix it, and that's true as well. And one of the things that they made a point of emphasizing, and that we do as well, is that whatever iteration of repair that the Congress eventually comes up to needs to assure that there is coverage for pre-existing conditions. It's popular almost universally, and nobody disagrees with that. And to try to make a political point out of something that everybody agrees with is... is uh, irresponsible as the commissioner says well right i mean we can i i you were having a debate i'm i'm i have my feelings about mandating coverage for pre-existing conditions but i'm not a member of the republican party i'm not running for elected officers by partisan agreement everybody agrees like you said that that's that's the thing to do i want to switch back to john because john we got a call in the last segment we were talking about this leading up uh a, a gentleman by the name of mario called in and and Mario has a pre-existing condition. He has uh, it's generated lots and lots of of medical bills. He is insured. He says his insurance company is paying for it now. But he what he's worried about is you know what happens if if you know Republicans are successful. Let's let's say the court strikes down Obamacare. Uh, what happens to him if his insurance company decides he's too expensive to coverage anymore and just kicks him off off coverage? I, I realize these hypotheticals are hard because we don't know everything about in Mario's insurance policy. But can you just speak to that? People who are in, um, you know, what what did what if somebody with pre-existing conditions prior to Obamacare in the state of North Dakota, what were their options? Well, their options were again Medicaid, Medicare, or the, the VA if, that, if they're eligible for that stuff, or through their large group employer. Um, and so those are their those are their kind of the main, that's where the majority again of us get our insurance from. And those and those were uh, sure. they covered pre-existing existing conditions prior to the ACA, and they have continued to, and they will they will continue to in the future. Um, you know, for Mario's case, uh, that's why we have Chand in North Dakota. That's why we have that Comprehensive Health Care Association of North Dakota to provide coverage for those individuals and. And, you know, as part of the report, some of the proposals we've been seeing is, you know, within the Graham-Cassidy bill, uh, there was a significant amount of money that would, would have come to North Dakota to help, again, subsidize some of those, those high-risk pools, those high-risk folks, 
uh, and to make sure that their premiums are, one, affordable, and they're getting the coverage they need. Uh, the CHAN program we have in North Dakota provides very rich coverage. It's a very good program. It's a very good plan. Um, and we are, we are currently going through a study right now to figure out if we can uh, expand coverage. How do, we, how do we adapt to the new, uh, I guess, the new world we're living in? Uh, but we've had coverage options for those folks in North Dakota since 1981. And that will continue. And if we can get a bill like Graham-Cassidy to pass, we will have more resources in North Dakota to, again, help maybe bring down some of the costs for those for lower-income individuals who maybe not be able to afford that coverage. But we've got options. We've had options in North Dakota, and we will continue to have options in North Dakota. I, I want to I want to talk specifically about the uninsured rate because that's that's something it's I think that's key to the Democratic messaging about this is they're claiming that if 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 the lawsuit's successful or Republicans are successful legislatively in overturning that we're going to see a big spike in the uninsured rate. Now, John, you're saying the uninsured rate really hasn't changed. Uh, maybe the identity of the uninsured has changed some because I do think we did pick up. You know, some people were able to get access to, to care who were maybe uninsured before, and they got access to to, to the Medicaid expansion, for example. Uh, so that's a real thing that did happen. But we also saw another group of people in the individual marketplace who were driven out uh, by prices and, and other factors who were who were driven out of coverage. Is that is that all accurate, John? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, I think when you add in the subsidies that were available within the individual market, too, we picked up, a, a you know, uh, some of maybe the, the lower-income individuals are now able, they can find, they have coverage that's available to them and it's subsidized through the federal government. But what the what the ACA did is it just shifted that burden up, one kind of up, up one level, basically, to our small business owners, our farmers, our ranchers, the folks who make too much money to qualify for a subsidy are essentially being priced out of the market. And they, those are the folks who are now going uninsured. And, and you know, it... it it's something that really concerns me, and it, and it frankly bothers me that we've got these folks who, uh, who, who are risking, their, risking it all to start a new business or, or, you know, on the family farm. And now they've got to sit around the kitchen table and say, I don't know if we can afford health insurance this year. And we've got to figure out a way to address that, that, that gap. And clearly the ACA hasn't done it. Uh, and I think we can do a better job in North Dakota. We've asked for that flexibility here in the state to be able to uh, regulate our market like we do with every other line of insurance. There's no coincidence that our issues with insurance are in health care and flood insurance, and those two are the federally, federally regulated areas of insurance. Uh, so if we could get the flexibility and, the, and, frankly, the allowance from the federal government to regulate our market like we do with every other line of insurance, I know we can do a better job here in North Dakota. Well, just just think about that economically. I mean, I, I guess I hadn't really, I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about that. But think if you if you're in a group insurance policy, but you got some great idea, you want to start a business, right? You're going to make a new and better widget, or you're going to provide some service, and you want to go out on your own. Uh, but yet, I mean, whether you're an individual, whether you got a family, and you're thinking, well, what about health insurance? Right. I mean, how, how many how many people it's, it's, are? Cal- me, it's a big disincentive for uh, innovation and growth of our economy because, again, those risk takers, the people who, and frankly, I'm I'm not one of them. I mean, I'm, there's a lot more creative people than I out there right. uh, who want to take that risk and start that new business and provide that new product that we we've come to know and love here in North Dakota. Um, you know, it's it's now a real discussion of whether or not I can quit my job uh, and still re- still afford health insurance. Well, I, I've talked about it before. One reason I work for Form Communications Company is because I needed the group health insurance policy. I couldn't afford to be in the individual market anymore as a as a as a blogger, as a guy who blogged for a living. That wasn't wasn't an easy place to be. Gentlemen, we are out of time. John, thanks for your time. Uh, Turning around, Wayne Stengem, thanks for your time as well. You you bet, Rob. Good to be with you. Thanks, Rob. Yeah.
Yeah, certainly. That's uh, Wayne Stengem, our Attorney General, John Godfrey, our Insurance Commissioner, and this is the Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Uh, short segment here. We went a little long with the Attorney General and the Insurance Commissioner, but... Um, and then, by the way, coming up, if you want to start emailing your questions in now, Congressman Kevin Kramer is going to be joining us at one thirty uh, for his regular open phone segment, and you can uh, you can ask him whatever you want. Yeah, but we've had people ask him what his favorite color is. You know that? Really? I, I think he said it was it. blue. I think he said it was blue. Blue? I don't know. Not I don't bad. Remember. Doesn't matter. Surprising for uh, being a Republican, though. Yeah. Well, I like blue. There's nothing wrong with blue. I know. Nothing wrong with blue. I, I, and I always thought that was kind of funny, though. Like red, it, red is kind of the traditional color of socialism. Yeah. You know that like that just America. gets back to like one of the one of the cable news networks just used red and blue. You know, and that yeah. that's where like the whole red states came from. Were those those election night maps? Really? Was where from they were the news? They, yeah, that's just huh. what it is. That's where it came from. Didn't know that. Anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. I like blue. Blue's a good color. I don't know why we're talking about that now. I thought the uh, I, th- I thought the attorney general and I thought the insurance commissioner did a very, very good job. That that Throwing out that number that 316,000 people are going to lose coverage, how ridiculous is that? That's almost half the population. Does right. anyone really believe that? Does anyone really believe that 316,000 people in North Dakota are going to lose? Now, maybe 316,000 people have pre-existing conditions of one sort or another. But we're, gonna, we're really going to believe all of them are going to lose health insurance. And, and by the way, the the funny thing is, as 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 Democrats in the high cap campaign are, are talking about that, I'm reading a headline. This was just up from uh, John Hageman about the uh, the sanctuary city thing, right? The Republicans have been hitting high camp pretty hard on that, and they're advertising. Uh, headline: High camp calls sanctuary city attacks a quote scare tactic. So just so we're clear. The Democratic messaging on the health insurance thing is that 316,000 North Dakotans are going to lose their health insurance if uh, if if this this lawsuit challenging Obamacare is successful. Uh, but but pointing to Heidi Heitkamp's uh, track record uh, of voting against, or excuse me, basically voting in support of sanctuary cities, that's a scare tactic. My goodness. All right. Hey, uh, Congressman Kramer joins us next. You can call in. You can ask him whatever you want. The phone number, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email, talk at WDAY.com. You can send me a tweet, too, at Rob Port. Or there's an open thread on my Facebook page. Go check that out as well. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Now it's time for our open phone segment with Congressman Kevin Kramer, as we do most Wednesdays, as the congressman's schedule allows. Although I, I should note, Kevin, as we get started, next week you're going to be on Friday. We had to move the schedule around a little bit. Oh, do we have Kevin? We did. Uh, one moment. All right. All right. We should hopefully have Kevin Kramer on here in just a moment. Uh, like I said, he is going to be on uh, next week, and we have uh, emails and phone. Oh, do we have is Kevin now? All right. I should I should be here. I'm go. listening to you, so hopefully you can hear me. There yeah, I can hear you, Kevin. That's okay, just fine. Great. Uh, great. And like I said, next week you'll be on Friday at one o'clock. So a little change in our schedule there, but uh, that's fine. Well, I'm, I'm just glad you know because I don't. I I've lost control of my schedule. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Well, yeah. let's get right to it. We got a caller waiting. Eric has been waiting yeah. patiently since the break. And by the way, people want to call in, get your questions in seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Eric, go. Hi, I've heard a lot about Fargo being a sanctuary city. Do you support doing away with Fargo being a sanctuary city? And my second question is: Is what are your thoughts on recreational marijuana? 
so with re- with regard to Fargo being a sanctuary city, um, I'm against any city being a sanctuary city. I don't think there should be such a designation where a city can determine by its own by its own statute or ordinance that it doesn't have to it doesn't have to enforce the federal laws of the land. Um, particularly something as egregious as a sanctuary city, which is which is main purpose is to harbor illegal people um, and protect them from the from federal enforcement. So. No, I, I, I'd be very, very surprised if Fargo could ever become a sanctuary city, and I'd be deeply disappointed if it would happen. But what we ought to do is just get rid of the whole notion of sanctuary cities. Um, secondly, your second question was, what, how do I feel about recreational marijuana? Uh, yes. My position has been uh, all along that I support states having the right to pass their own laws as it relates to uh, recreational marijuana. Uh, but I will vote against the measure that's going to be in front of the voters in North Dakota. It's just way too wide open and too loose. Um, and and not, not that I would if it was tighter either, by the way. I'm just, I don't think that we need another, uh, another legal mind-altering uh, drug on the, on the streets. But I do, like I said, I do support the right for states to, to manage those laws yeah. themselves, determine those laws themselves. The problem, of course, and Rob, you know this very well, until the, the federal government changes the status of marijuana, um, even states and, and local jurisdictions that allow recreational marijuana have a problem because, of course, the uh, banking laws, uh, the FDIC and the federal insurance and regulation of banking means that it becomes a cash-only business, which is not real conducive to good controls. So I think that Would you, we have to have a national discussion as well as local discussion about it. In, 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 in the spirit, just to follow up on that, in the spirit sure. of, of your support for allowing states to make their own decision, would you support federal federal cha- changes to federal law um, to maybe change the status of marijuana or otherwise enable states to be able to make this decision for themselves? Yeah, you know, I believe it would, Rob. And, and again, I think we need to have a really serious discussion about it. But that's that's how I lean, quite honestly. I, I want to do it right, obviously. And, and, um, but it just makes no sense to me that states would, you know, be able to pass looser laws than the federal government has, but then the federal government, you know, restricts the use of, of the banking system because I think all it does then is it just invites the greater temptation, and that is the uh, you know the, the temptation that comes with a cash only business, and uh, just allows allows the opportunity for a lot more mischief. And so, uh, Rob, but yeah, I lean that way for sure. But um, you know, I just want to have a very serious long discussion, and 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 I don't want to dismiss that there's there are great concerns among our law enforcement community uh, as well, and I want to hear about their experiences and their thoughts. But uh, no, I definitely lean that way, Rob. And on the sanctuary city, I, I should—I actually just read uh, Attorney General Wayne Stengel was quoted in an article today. There's been a lot of confusion because I think there's maps put out. Uh, no community in North Dakota, neither is the state of North Dakota in any way a sanctuary state or a sanctuary city. Uh, I think there's been some confusion, some maps put out there, uh, but that is not a thing in North Dakota at all. Uh, we got a caller, Paul. You're on. What's up? Yeah. Hey, really quick. Uh... What we need over here in the Valley City area is we need uh, a whole bunch of bumper stickers and signs. We cannot get a hold of that material over here for some reason. Um, and are you saying bumper stickers and signs from the Kramer campaign? Or is that yes, for your campaign. Okay. All right. Well, duly noted, somebody else should be listening as well. I'm actually at Dickinson right now preparing for a ribbon cutting for the VA uh, community-based outpatient clinic, the new, the new one here. But um, I'll get the word out and we'll get some to you. I know we have some locations and stuff already identified as well for signs, and it may just be a strategic reason that the campaign's waiting. But, 
I appreciate your interest in it. And Paul, we'll uh, we'll uh, make sure we get you we get you a supply. Okay, thank Thanks. you. Thanks for the call, Paul. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Kurt has an emailed uh, question. He says, ask Kevin Kramer. And this, I guess we're already talking about sanctuary cities, but your campaign's been uh, making a big deal out of this. Uh, so the, the question is, ask Kevin Kramer why federal funding can be withheld from a state for not following guidelines such as speed limits, but not on sanctuary cities for not following federal law. So if I understand the, the question right, and I, I think I do, and that is, um, he makes a very important point. And you might recall that uh, Attorney General Sessions did exactly that and was prevented by a federal judge from implementing that restriction, which is why we need to have legislation that uh, allows us to withhold funds for sanctuary cities. And um, I've been a supporter of that. We've passed that legislation in the House of Representatives, but it did fail in the Senate. So, um I agree with the email. It makes perfect sense. And I don't know, I don't remember which federal judge it was that st- that stopped it, but um, it seems to me that federal funds that are sent to support lo- local law enforcement in their endeavors to enforce federal laws ought to require that they do enforce, in fact, federal laws. Uh, let's see. We have a, uh, oops, oh, I just got rid of that email. Uh, by the way, people want to call in 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. I wanted to ask you about this just because people have been asking about the Sanctuary City thing. Uh, I just saw an article out from uh, John Hageman, uh, and in the article, uh, Senator Heitkamp is, is, is asked about your criticism of her uh, over the Sanctuary Cities things. Uh, she says it's a, it's a scare tactic. Uh, she says, I quote, I think my record on law and order is very strong, and I think my record on border security is very strong uh, and then Hageman reports that her campaign later touted an endorsement from the National Border Patrol Council uh, the Border Patrol Agent Union so she's saying uh, that, that you're just trying to scare people and she's got a she's got a strong track record on border security how do you respond well first of all um, sanctuary cities is not so much about border security or immigration as it is about the harboring of violent criminals as long as they are illegal immigrants and on that record hers is really bad I mean, we cite multiple times. In fact, the most recent time was earlier this year after the House passed a bill that that withholds funding from sanctuary cities, and she voted no. She voted to continue to send money to sanctuary cities who harbor violent criminals. So she, her record that she talks about is one thing, but yet she demonstrates by her vote on sanctuary cities that she's not as committed to law and order as she wants us to believe that she is. So um, border security is different than sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities are when they get across the border, get into the United States illegally, and then are protected in the internal part of the country, whether it's a, uh, a border city or a city in the middle of the country, whether it's Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, you know, San Francisco, there are many of them. There were 12 of them in Iowa until Iowa passed a state law that prohibited it. Um, so that's a that's a different issue than the border itself. Um, sanctuary cities are when cities fail to cooperate as a matter of strategy and on purpose, cooperate with ICE and federal um, law enforcement on and turning over illegal immigrants when they're arrested for things, including violent crimes. And we know we've seen re, you know repeat offenders of violent crimes because uh, sanctuary cities wouldn't turn them over to the federal government for deportation. 
I'm going to group a couple of questions here together. We, we obviously there was a there was a press conference today with yourself and mm-hmm. others on uh, on Obamacare. We just had the attorney general and the insurance commissioner on the program earlier, uh, but talking about Obamacare and uh, Democrats have been have been making claims that that if 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 you had been successful in repealing Obamacare, or if this lawsuit's successful, that that North Dakota's with pre-existing conditions are going to lose coverage. They're using a really absurd figure, like three hundred sixteen thousand. Right thousand north dakotans uh a couple of questions philip asks why is obamacare still on the books sue asks how is it going to be for self-employed people to have pre-existing conditions for insurance in the future she continues fyi i am against obamacare ridiculous mm-hmm. prices and deductibles for the working people great for mm-hmm. those who don't work but something has to be done for individuals who work and don't get a plan at work especially with pre-existing conditions it will force many to stop working go on welfare and get medicaid Boy, she she has nailed it, Rob. She's nailed that the perverse incentive that exists in Obamacare. And so, to her point, her question is: But what about me? What if I am a, you know, self-insured or self-employed um, individual with a pre-existing condition? And first of all, speaking of scare tactics, um, the three hundred and three hundred plus thousand number is so far-fetched and so ridiculous. And anybody that knows the population of North Dakota knows that that that's an impossible number. Um, but to her point, people with pre-existing conditions were protected prior to Obamacare in North Dakota. North Dakota had a program that, that provided coverage for people with pre-existing conditions who didn't have insurance. And Republican alternatives to Obamacare, such as the American Health Care Act, such as Graham-Cassidy, also ins- um, prohibited any discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions and furthermore provided the funding to support any any extra costs as a result of pre-existing conditions in the free marketplace. So I think it's important that pre-existing conditions are covered. It's always been the most popular part about Obamacare. It's always been the thing that Republicans and Democrats have agreed on in Obamacare. That, along with the 26-year-old, you know, um, up to 26 remain on parents, can remain on parents' plans. That's probably the second most popular thing in Obamacare. So we've always preserved and maintained that in any Republican alternative. We've just provided more resources and more flexibility for alternatives so that even people with pre-existing conditions can shop in a more competitive marketplace and not be confined to this, you know, sort of a single-payer direction, which is why, of course, Obamacare sort of leads everybody to. Just a couple of minutes left. we got to be real quick. Uh, emailer asks, Kevin, are federal funds not being collected from those same cities, referring to sanctuary cities? How can you say you are in favor of local control but want to defund cities for exhibiting local control? Well, if they want to exhibit local control without federal dollars, I have no problem with that. I think that's a fine idea. But, but we're talking about now what we're talking about is federal law and enforcement of the federal laws, and they're being compensated to enforce the federal laws, and then they choose not to. Um, that's different than pure federal or pure local control uh, without, you know, without any strings attached. So uh, I, I like federal control, but remember that immigration law is the, is the responsibility of the federal government. So, you, you know, again, compensation for cooperating with federal authorities, I don't think is too much to ask. 
We have, uh, we have, uh, Kevin, I tell you what, can, can we take a break? Normally I don't do this, but can we take a sure. break? Cause I got a couple of calls lining up. I don't want to have to sure, short sure. shrift. Them. I'm happy to Is do that, it, Rob. You bet. Okay. Let's, let's do that. I put, I put you on the spot a little bit, but yeah, let's do that. Let's well, take a break. We'll come we back. We have this one o'clock event coming up, so we got to beat that. Okay. We'll beat that for sure. We'll be right back right. after this is the Rob Report 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDYAM 93.1 FM. Just a couple minutes left with Congressman Kevin Kramer taking questions, and I wanted to get to the uh, callers. Uh, first up, Tom, you're on. What's up? Yeah, um, as far as I got a, a statement and a question, I guess. First of all, real, real, real quick, I was Tom. On a chip program, and this was a few years back before the ACA, and mm-hmm. it was way too expensive then. I can't imagine what it costs now. I wouldn't have health insurance it's because I have pre-existing conditions. Okay, mm-hmm. the second thing is, what have Republicans done to help lower the price of uh, of health care? Right? Now, health insurance, have they done anything to lower the price of prescription drugs, for instance? Or or is there any oversight of what hospitals charge for different uh, procedures from one hospital to the next and changes? One medication I was taking cost me okay. Oh, Tom, well, Tom, let's let's one pharmacy, another one. It was twenty five. Okay, Tom, okay. Sure. Let's let's let the sure. congressman answer the question. Thanks, Tom. So, so I, I want to be clear, though. I think you said chip. Uh, did you mean the Chand program? Is that what you were referring to, Tom? When you said you were on that previously, because chip is that's um, health insurance for children, uh, and that that program, in fact, we funded for another six years with the increased funding. Is very important for coverage for children who wouldn't otherwise have coverage. With regard to what Republicans have done, well, we did a, a good, um, some good work with the uh, 340B program, where we continue to to promote 340B to um, continue it. It's a discount program, particularly for rural hospitals, for for um, specifically for high cost medications. Uh, the other thing, you know, the president's looking at doing is including Medicare. The Medicare pool as a buying pool, which is currently not allowed. VA can, in fact, be a buying pool for uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, uh, Medicare, a much, much larger federal program. That would help considerably. Of course, um, there's the Part D program, which also brought uh, costs down and provided support for um, for people in Medicare with, uh, with their coverage of or the cost of, uh, of pharmaceuticals and, and medications. The, the other thing is um, the association plans. You know, Obamacare doesn't allow association plans. We've passed legislation to allow association plans, to allow individuals and, you know, small businesses and others to form large associations that could then become a larger pool that would reduce costs for um, insurance premiums and, you know, increase options and, and coverage at the same time. A lot of that's just to helping create more real uh, marketplace competition. All right, we got uh, we got Tom and we got we or excuse me, Doug, and we got literally two minutes. So it's got to be real quick, fellas. You bet, uh, sir. Uh, you already have a job in Washington in the Capitol. What's the incentive of becoming a uh, senator instead of being a House of Representative? Yeah, that's a great question. There's no there's no financial incentive. Um, that's for sure. They get paid exactly the same. Uh, annual rate. Um, they they actually are in session more days, but literally they put more on the calendar. But they don't certainly don't accomplish nearly as much. Um, it's it's more work on the committee side. You're in many more committees. On the other hand, it's a much much slower pace. I don't know that there really is uh, a, a great benefit, at least not to me personally. The benefit to the country, of course, is that the Senate is very powerful. Each senator is. You know, one out of 100 rather than one out of 435, and one Senate vote makes a huge difference in everything from judicial appointments and confirmations yeah. to many pieces of legislation. 
All right. We've got, we got to go, Kevin. Thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye. It's Congressman Kevin Kramer. This is uh, the Rob Report. Jay Thomas Show straight ahead. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.